You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. All right. Well, thanks, Pastor Jay. Everybody give Jonathan a round of applause. He's an awesome guy. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, in a couple weeks, uh, May 20th is actually his last Sunday. So if you didn't know about that, he's moving down to Dallas Seminary. Praise God, though, he's got a job. He's going um, to be working at Dallas Seminary. His wife just got a job as a teacher in Mesquite. So God's good. Amen. Let's celebrate that. So um, speaking of the next couple of weeks, we're in a new series called Change. And so I want to talk to you about kind of what that's going to look like over the next few weeks. This morning, we're talking about uh, change as a Christian and the changes that you and I can go through uh, in life and specifically how God wants to work in our life. Um, And so we'll be looking at that John chapter 15, one of the greatest passages on what it looks like to grow as a Christian and the change that God wants to do in your life. Uh, Second week, we're going to be talking about changing and parenting. Um, in today's generation, it's like we need, we need to understand what it means that the Bible says that train up a child in the way they should go and they will not depart from it. Next week, I'm going to do that for Mother's Day. I'm going to talk about what does it look like to train up our children. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Those of you that are members of North Valley and you want to have your baby dedicated on that Sunday, we're, we're, we're doing that. Um, so it's going to be a special um, uh, week next week. And then uh, last, uh, the last one is, is that we're going to be talking about um, change as a church. And so those of you that call North Valley home, that's a really important time to be here. I'm going to be sh- sharing with you um, some of the, the news about some of the new people that we've hired on our staff team uh, in light of the transition with Pastor Jonathan and Meredith headed out uh, down to Dallas. Jonathan's going to go get his PhD, so it'll be Dr. Seaborn. Um, so that's exciting. We're praying that he'll get right back up to Phoenix when he's done and get a job at Phoenix Seminary and come back and open up equipping classes for us at North Valley. So um, the, the last week, May 20th, very important week. I want to encourage you to be a part of that. I'm going to be presenting to you a new ministry team uh, for this new season of ministry. Uh, the church is moving out of the startup phase and into the buildup phase. And so um, I'll be excited to share with you guys that. So all that to say, we're in for a good season. Um, Here's what I want to do is I want to tell you, how many of you guys, uh, how many kids or families uh, were off this week? Schools let out, you know, had the, the, the okay, yeah, controversial topic at my house. So uh, the kids were playing Fortnite like crazy, you know. Uh, if you don't know what Fortnite is, it's a, it's a really fun, popular video game. My kids got me trying to play it, and I, I don't, I'm not very good at it at all. Um, but this, this week, I'm sure for many of you, uh, wherever you're coming from, whatever situation you come out of, I think this message is going to be very encouraging for you as we jump into God's Word together. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and open it up. And uh, we're in John chapter 15. But before we get there, uh, let me paint some context of what's going on. John chapter 15 is the message about uh, Jesus uh, calling himself, uh, using his metaphor that he is the vine. And in that, that through him, there's fruitfulness in the Christian life. Um, what he's done, though, if you look at John chapter 13, he, t- he was teaching and talking to his disciples and preparing them for one of the biggest changes they were going to go through. Jesus was about to go to the cross. And so he's teaching them these powerful lessons about what it looks like to be a Christian and what changes they're going to go through. In John chapter 13, he talked about forgiveness and betrayal. In John 14, he talked about heaven and hell and peace and and the Holy Spirit. 
And in John chapter 15, he talks about fruitfulness and change and growth. In John chapter 16, again, help from the Holy Spirit. In, in John chapter 17, he prays for his disciples. John 18, the crucifixion, we see that. And then John 19, the burial. And then John chapter 20, the resurrection. What Jesus is teach, teaches is in the right in the middle of all that, right in his most important kind of farewell message to his disciples is John chapter 15. Um, and so he teaches with these shocking metaphors that make sense to some, but not to all. And it's a very powerful passage that I think is helpful for us to understand that we're going to experience change as Christians. So let's read John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. Jesus says this, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples." As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be full. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the word. We pray now for help from the Holy Spirit to understand the scripture that we've just read. We pray now, Lord, I pray that you use me to help clearly communicate the truths of Scripture, that our lives may be reshaped and reformed and more conformed to your image. We pray this not only for our joy, but for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. The metaphor that Jesus uses is the vine. He says, Jesus says, I am the true vine. Uh, Let me explain to you a real vine in a vineyard. I spent some time overseas in, in Madrid, Spain, and walking through the vineyards, And there's these beautiful orchards and vineyards all throughout the Mediterranean area. And this vine that Jesus is talking about um, would have been something very much an object lesson. Jesus is a masterful teacher, literally, and uses the natural to illustrate, uh, or the physical to illustrate the spiritual. He calls himself the vine. A vine uh, would carry all the nutrients. So apart from the vine, and say... Uh, producing uh, a vineyard, you, you can't bear grapes or any kind of fruit without the vine. Jesus calls himself the vine. He says, I am the vine. Israel, what's interesting and shocking about this is that throughout Old Testament literature, Israel was said to be the vine. In Psalms 80, it's a reference to that Israel was to be the vine and they were intended to bear fruit. But the reality was, is that they weren't life givers, they were life takers, and they were unfruitful. And so what's shocking is that Jesus says this, and he is the vine, he is the true vine. 
In a sense, he's saying, this is the last of the great I am statements, and Jesus is saying that he is the vine, he's the life giver, he's the new Israel, in a sense. Israel is a people set apart, a nation that was called to be a light unto the nations, a life-giving nation, a community of people that would follow the Lord and reflect and reveal all of God's love and God's purposes for all peoples. The reality was, is they weren't fruitful. And so Jesus comes in a very controversial setting and says, I am the vine. Would have been a shocking statement. Uh, Secondly, we see, uh, metaphorically speaking, Jesus uh, refers to God, the heavenly father, as the vine dresser. In verse two, uh, verses one and two, he says, my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. A real vine dresser is a gardener. And professionally, if you were to go to any wonderful wine region in the world, you would come to find out that many of these vineyards hire professional vine dressers. And they're hired with their little uh, clips and their, their little um, shears or whatnot, and they come in and they trim up the vineyard. They'd find a fruitful uh, a plant with grapes and whatnot, and then they would begin to trim away. Many of these individuals have been trained two to three years. It's one of the most important processes in the steps of having a healthy, productive vineyard is having these vine dressers. And so what, what's going on here is the Bible saying is that God is this vine dresser, that he's the one that he's going to trim away things in our life and these vine dressers, uh, realistically, they were taught when to trim, when, what to trim, what angle to trim. And the Bible says is that God's a vine dresser and that he's going to prune believers. He's going to prune a believer's life to bear more fruit. The question comes is, what is fruit? Fruit is, as Galatians 5 tells us, that it's the, the fruit of the spirit is love, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, kindness, self-control, those kind of things. So the reality is, is that for you and me as believers, is as we experience a life with Christ, there ought to be fruit that comes out of our life. And so what we're going to see here is that God's this vine dresser and he's the one who's going to help us prune us to be more fruitful. Lastly, we see in this metaphor, Jesus in verse five says that we're the branches. He says in verse five, he says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Now, a vineyard, when the, they have branches, and these branches are connected to the vine. Now, branches are, these are little tiny twigs is what this is. If you've ever got a cluster of grapes, and you see the grapes that you hold, and you look at all those little tiny branches, you couldn't build anything with those little branches. They're good for nothing other than bearing fruit. So the metaphor behind that is, is that the Bible says is that you and me are like those branches. And we really can't do anything and bear any kind of fruit at all in our life apart from being connected to the vine. Those branches only serve really one purpose, to bear fruit. And the, the branches, the interesting thing about this, the branches can't eat the fruit. They can't enjoy the fruit. All they do is produce the fruit, and it's a blessing to other people. Did you know as a Christian that God wants to use you to be a blessing? Did you know as a Christian, God wants you to be connected to the vine, that you bear fruit, and that you become a blessing to other people? 
So the Bible calls us branches, these tiny little twigs that really are worthless unless they're connected to Christ. The Bible says that we're nothing apart from Christ and that we must abide in him to bear fruit. So what's the purposes of the teaching? Well, the first thing and foremost is it's about abiding in a relationship with Jesus. There's kind of six different evidences of what it looks like to abide in a relationship with Jesus. This is the most powerful and the most important understanding of what it means to be a Christian. It's about abiding. Now, when I first became a Christian, I didn't understand uh, that the Christian faith is not about abstaining from all the things in the world. It's more about abiding in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, I have friends all the time that come to me or that seek pastoral counsel and they ask the question, how do I overcome my addiction? How do I overcome this hardship? And oftentimes, very religious people that don't have a great understanding of the personal power of a relationship of Jesus Christ nor the work of the Holy Spirit will just say, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that, and let me just tell you where that'll leave you. That'll render you empty. That'll render you powerless to change abiding is where the power is. There is no fruit in the Christian life apart from an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. That is chief foremost of what Jesus is talking about. If you are a Christian, then you will bear fruit. If you are a Christian, you will be pruned. The vine dresser will tend to you, trim up areas in your life, Uh, you will find answers to prayer, according to verse 7. You will sense God's love in verse 9. You will be obedient to the Word of God. Not all the time, but you will be obedient. There'll be a consistency. The word abide means this consistent connection point to the Lord. You will experience His joy. That's the primary purpose of this passage. I'll give you a couple of others that are very important that'll help shape the framework of our thinking and our theology as a Christian. The second is this, is about pruning. It's about pruning for greater fruitfulness. Did you know the Christian life is not simply about faithfulness, about being faithful, but it's about being fruitful. That your life needs to be fruitful. You can be incredibly faithful with something, but not really be that fruitful. You can get into a job and work really hard at it and do everything you can to be a great employee. But if it's not the real spot that you need to be, then you're not going to bear fruit. It's not going to be really effective for you. The pruning is for greater fruitfulness. Every branch, the Bible says, that does not bear fruit, he prunes it to bear more fruit. Verse 2. In verse 8, he says, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So, When you abide in a relationship with Jesus Christ and the pressures of the world come pushing down on you, what ought to come out is love, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control. The more you abide in a relationship with Christ, the more fruit that you'll have in your life. The good news is too is that there's this pruning that happens where the Lord himself will come into your life and trim up areas that are unfruitful to make more fruitful. Lastly, it's about discerning true disciples. This is how you can tell the difference between believers and unbelievers. The reality is, is that the world around us, um, there's a lot of people that, just like me, I was, a, I was an early um, uh, uh, young person to the church, is I, I didn't, I professed Jesus, I, had, I got baptized so that I would get this Christian girl to like me, you know? 
So I'm going to church because I'm like, that's where the pretty girls go. So as a young kid, I'm doing that, junior high, high school, doing that kind of thing. And I'm not really a Christian. I, I talk about Jesus and I act like I'm following Jesus, but only at church. And then comes uh, Saturday night, Friday night, I'm acting a fool. So there's plenty of people that will profess faith in Jesus, but their life shows no fruit in their life whatsoever. Uh, listen to this passage, or if you've got a Bible, you can look there in your, in your passage. Verse 6, shocking statement, but very true. Jesus says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Jesus is talking about eternal judgment. He's talking about people that profess Jesus but don't really possess Jesus. He's talking about people that talk about Jesus with their mouth but don't believe in him in their heart. He's also, I think, playing in the mind of his disciples because they just, they're, they're going to see Judas. They, Judas was the one who betrayed him, Jesus. Judas was in the gang of followers of the early disciples, but he does not live out the life of Jesus' disciples. There's not fruit bearing in his life. So the third purpose in this teaching, I think, is to understand and discern true and false disciples, followers of Christ. But the big point is that I want you to get out of this today is that to be a Christian means that you and I are going to experience change. We're going to have change in our life. Uh, over the years, you're going to experience change. As a young child, physically, you experience change. You grow through the stages in life. And then as you get older in your life, you hit these different seasons and situations where you experience change. Maybe it's a job change, a career change. Maybe it's retirement. Whatever it is, you'll experience these changes. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's a new baby. There's changes. And spiritually, is the same way. We're going to experience changes. So here's what I want to tell you. God, God's going to help you grow and change as a Christian. You don't have to do all this change on your own. The change that God wants to do in your life is something that he does because he's good. He's the gardener. He's tending to your life to help you. The Bible says in verse 1, Jesus says this, I'm the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. What does the vine dresser do? The gardener, God, our heavenly father, the gardener, he tends to us. When we, with all these little plants that we have out here on the back of the, uh, the patio, this chapel area, you can see that we have somebody come and try our best. We don't have too many green thumbs in the church, but we try and we tend to the plants, make sure they get water, make sure they get sunshine, make sure that they have the proper nutrients. There's pruning as well. There's thinning and trimming and cutting away. You know, what's interesting about um, a vineyard with grapes is that you've got to thin out the good to grow the grape. A lot of times that these, uh, these, these grapes will grow and there'll be more than enough. And what the trained vineyard, the, the vine dresser will have to do is to come and trim away certain ones in order that it can, the overall, the plant can become more fruitful. So there's pruning, there's thinning out the, the good to grow the great. God wants to do this in your life. He wants to change your life continually as a Christian. There's seven ways I think God, God changes us and prunes us. 
Um, God is a vine dresser. He is a gardener, and he wants to bring about change in your life as a Christian. Seven ways, as I reflected on this this week, would be this. The first is that God uses Scripture. When I read the Bible, uh, day by day, for me, for me and my wife, um, it'll inform the changes in the decisions that I need to make. Uh, it changes the way I, I parent. It changes the way I um, serve as a pastor. The Scripture changes me. Um, I always like to say, if you were to cut me, I think I would bleed Bibles, what I hope to. I, I, the scripture is saturated into my life. I want it to change me from the inside out constantly, continually. Scripture is God's eternal word. When we read the scripture and we come to a place where it's contrary to our conscience or our own personal convictions, we should pray and then we should seek to realign our mindset around God's word and authority. Jesus said, if you keep my commands then you will prove to be my disciples. The obedience to the scripture will bring change in your life. It's okay, let me encourage you, it's okay if you go through the week and then you um, sense after hearing a message on a Sunday morning or reading in God's word, you go through the week and then you say, you know what, I've thought about it, I read the scripture, I need to change my decision on this. It's okay to say, I changed my mind about this situation. Scripture has a way of changing us. Um, secondly, what God uses to change is self-effort. You say, well, we can't change ourselves. Well, the Bible calls us to pray in verse 7. You got to do something. In verse 7, he tells us that we're to pray. And as a result of that, um, God's going to work powerfully in our lives. And he's going to answer prayers. When prayers are answered, that brings about change oftentimes. In verse 10, there's also the indication. He says, if you keep my commands... You and I need to keep the commands of the Lord uh, in our life, and that brings about change. Verse 10 says in, in this, I'll just read it to you. If you've got a Bible, you can open it up there yourself. He says this, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So what we see in the scripture is that there's this important understanding of not only uh, letting God's scripture change us, but ourselves working at changing. Thirdly, is God uses the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps bring about change. You think about it as your conscience oftentimes or your own personal convictions, but when you're through your work week and you're making decisions about your business or you're making decisions about your family or the relationships or in that private space of your own mind and your own heart and soul, the Holy Spirit is there. He doesn't yell. He oftentimes whispers. It works through the thought life and through the emotional well-being of your, your heart. And the Bible says that he's like a counselor or convictor. He will help you. He's there to help. He's there to help you change. If you've got an addiction or a pattern of problem, the Holy Spirit's your help. He wants to bring about change. God oftentimes uses not only the Holy Spirit, but God will use situations in your life to change you. Uh, when I met my wife, that changed my life. When I had children, that changed my life. Uh, when, I, when I moved to Phoenix, Arizona, that changed my life. 
situations bring about change. Different situations you find yourself in. God uses as well suffering, the really hard things, uh, health struggles, physical afflictions. God uses suffering for his glory. Uh, Bible says is that sin entered the world and it fractured everything like a curse and a virus and fractured everything and we see suffering all around us. But did you know that God enters into that and he even orchestrates his plan and purpose to help restore, redeem, and give you help in the midst of all that struggle, all that suffering. And he uses it to make you stronger, to make you more honoring, more Christ-giving in the middle of your suffering that God will use that to even bear more fruit in your life. God also uses, this is an interesting one, but I can testify to this, God uses stupidity. He uses your stupidity, he uses my stupidity. When you make stupid choices, you need to know that God will use stupidity to help you change. How many of you have made some really bad decisions and you're like, that was just stupid? Raise your hand. Okay, got some honest folks in here, that's good. God uses the bad choices to help you make good choices. Um, God uses the, the things that you, you wish you didn't do. The Apostle Paul says uh, that he struggled. He says, the very things that I want to do, I don't do. The very things that I should have done, I didn't do. And he expresses this tension that he faces. The good news is, is that God calls it sanctification. That means sanctify. That means making you holy. It doesn't mean it's not going to hurt. It oftentimes does hurt. Um, I like to think about it like this is sometimes you could rephrase that word sanctification and when you're going through hardship like suffering or stupidity and you're making these choices and God's trying to change your life and wake you up to see the changes that need to happen, you can think about it not only as sanctification, but I like to call it spanctification. You're like, seriously, Lord, how did you let this happen in my life? It feels like you're being disciplined. Um, if you've got children, you know that you have to discipline them, and they don't like you for it. The Bible says that we have a heavenly, heavenly Father, and that you and me are like kids. We're brothers and sisters. And, and, and nowhere in the Bible does Jesus command that you just grow up. Actually, Jesus says stuff like this, you need to be like a child so that you can understand your good Father. You need to be dependent. So our childlike faith needs to never go away. And sometimes if you're walking through a season or a situation that you're frustrated about God, I'm just going to tell you, I think God could be using it to help change your life. You might be going through a situation of suffering and you're, you're out of control and you don't know how to change that. But God knows how to use it for his good and his glory and for your good. You may have made some stupid choices and God says, I can enter in right into that and I can sanctify you. You might not feel happy, but you will grow in holiness. Pruning is always painful. It doesn't feel, when God starts to prune and change your life, it doesn't necessarily feel good, but it is for a great purpose. It doesn't always feel nice, but it is necessary. It doesn't, it doesn't always, uh, it, it might not feel like it's helping, it might feel like it's hurting, but it is helpful. Pruning is always painful. It's uncomfortable. It can be risky. It requires wisdom. If you're pruned though, you're fruitful. If you're pruned, that means you're loved by God. 
the goal is in God pruning and changing your life is look what the scripture says in verse 15, 8, and 11. We're going to realize the goal is for our joy and God's glory. Let's look at that in reverse. In verse 8, he says, by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so proved to be my disciples. When the world looks at your life as a Christian, what they're measuring is not results. By the way, that's not a biblical concept. Fruit is a biblical concept. In a business, as we say, results, results, results. The church is not a business. The church is a living organism. The church is a people, and there's fruitfulness. And the Father, the father's, Jesus says, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. God gets the glory when you're you're, you're out of your life is coming forth, patience, love, gentleness, kindness, self-control. When the person at work is mean to you and you respond with love or patience. When your spouse betrays you, you don't respond and retaliate in anger. You, retaliate with, you don't retaliate, you respond with grace and mercy. It's, it's a completely different lifestyle, but God's calling us to give him glory and we bear much fruit and proving to be his disciples. Verse 11, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. The greatest thing that the world needs uh, to understand the, the Christian faith is you and me being connected to Jesus Christ and experiencing his joy and then giving out his joy. The world doesn't need a bunch of unhappy, cranky, um, disenchanted, disgruntled Christians. The world needs people that experience this joy. Look what it says in verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you. The very joy of Christ can be in your life. A prayer like this in the middle of discouragement or depression is, Lord Jesus, I pray the joy of Christ may be in my life today. I don't have it, but you do, and I need that today. The power of Christ comes down, and his joy can come in the middle of your suffering, the middle of your situation, the middle of your stupidity. The joy of Christ can come and fill you up. And look what he says. Jesus says that your joy may be full. I like to say this oftentimes at North Valley is the Christian life is the best life. There's not a better life. You get eternity. You don't just get eternity. You don't get your future just fixed and you got all that settled. Although that's really important. You get a present experience of joy here and now. You get a purpose. You get a plan here and now. So what about you though? How do you apply this? I want to encourage you to do this. You can make some changes for your good and God's glory. Number one, you prioritize personal growth. Anything of value, uh, anything of value takes hard work. You need to prioritize personal growth. You need to understand the difference between abiding versus abstaining. The Christian life is not simply about don't doing these wrong things or bad things. It's about abiding. Anytime somebody, again, wants to come and get help and wants change in their life, it's not about not doing and abstaining from something as much as it is about abiding. The power is in the relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where the power is. That's where the power is. You need to prioritize personal growth. For me and my wife, it looks like a daily devotional. Um, it's it, just being in the Word for just a few minutes a day can really help change your mindset and your heart and your attitude and all that. But prioritizing your personal growth is really important. 
in verse 7 and in verse 10. It talks about the prayer that you need to, that we pray. It talks about, uh, verse 10, the importance of keeping his commands, keeping that as a priority in your life. Secondly, I want to encourage you is that you thin out the good in order to develop the great. Um, that's what the, the father does. He's the vine dresser. He'll come along and look for areas that may be good, but he wants to trim those out so that there might be greatness. A vine dresser, literally, the painful part for the, the plant is that it, the vine dresser will approach the plant and trim living tissue from the plant that might not be as fruitful or as great as it could be, and so it's trimmed away. What I want to encourage you to do is evaluate your own life and look at good things in your life and ask, should these be great things? Look at your time. How are you investing your time? Look at your talent, your skills, your spiritual gifts, and look at your treasure. Where are you investing your time, your talent, and your treasure? How could you thin out some areas that aren't producing a lot of fruit with your time, your talent, and your treasure? And move from a mindset of just trying to do a bunch of good things to doing a few great things. Why? Because God wants glory. God wants you to be not simply faithful, but fruitful. There's a difference. You can be incredibly faithful and do a terrible job at what you're doing, and you're just being faithful. But to be fruitful absolutely implies that you've been faithful. So I want to encourage you as well to trim out unhealthy or ungodly unproductive areas of your life. Trim. If there's any, or maybe it's a priority, it's an unhealthy priority. You've allocated way too much time towards something. Um, for guys, it could be watching tons of sports. For gals, it could be hanging out potentially with the wrong relationships or spending time with the, not enough in the, in the home with the kids or whatever it may be. But trim out unhealthy um, ungodly or unproductive areas in your life. Think about priorities, decisions that maybe you've made. And here's what I'm saying to you. It's okay to say right now, you leave out of here today and go, today, because of the scripture I've read and I, I hear it and I sense God's spirit in this, I'm changing my mind. I'm gonna make a change. And you, you're not only gonna thin out the good so you can develop the great, but you're gonna trim out unhealthy or ungodly, unproductive areas in your life. Think about priorities. Think about people. Many of you got unhealthy relationships that you're like, I just need to trim this out. That's okay to do that. They can even be Christian people, but you know that they're unhealthy emotionally and they're very destructive or hurtful in your relationships right now. You need to trim those out. Maybe it's not a person, but maybe it's a problem. Or maybe it's a, uh, um, it's a project that you've taken on and it's not productive. You can apply this to your business as well. There's things that are unhealthy. In the vineyard illustration, the, the vine dresser will come up to a living plant that's producing grapes and trim away the living uh, branches and parts of, in the branches away from the vine so that it can grow and even be more productive. What needs to be trimmed? And lastly, I want to encourage you to think about cutting out or throwing away bad or broken, evil, empty areas of your life. If there's anything that is bad, 
broken, evil, or empty, you cut those things out. These are dead areas in your life that you know these have got to be gone. These are not good. And what you need to do is cut those completely out. Here's my encouragement to you is that you put this into practice by doing this, is that you prayerfully identify one area of your life that needs to change. And then I want to encourage you to share it with one Christian friend uh, this week. And my guess is, is that the Holy Spirit's going to help you by helping you bring to mind the area that you know you need to change. Um, It may be thinning out something good so that you can develop a, a greater level of effectiveness It may be trimming out unhealthy or ungodly or unproductive areas, or it may be cutting out something entirely that's bad, broken, or evil and empty. But I want to encourage you to identify one area of your life that needs change and then share it with another Christian. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the promise that you bring change in our lives, Um, that you're at work. Even when we're not, you still are. That's great news. Uh, Thank you for the grace that we receive. Uh, Lord, as our ushers come forward to uh, administer communion, uh, we thank you, Father, for the cross, that there is forgiveness, there is hope. For any stupid choices that we've made or situations that we find ourselves in, we can come to you in our time of mercy, in time of need, and find mercy and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.